Today on Karina and Kirsten, get to work. We're talking about solving problems. What's your problem? Bring your problem. It's going to be great. We'll fix it. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Karina Hoyer. And I'm Kirsten Barron. And we are here today to talk about women and work. Because what do we want, Kirsten? Oh, my gosh, we want ease, <laughs> meaning, and joy, and we should have it. We should have it. And the, one of the ways that we get, are going to get that is by solving problems, solving your problems, my problems, everyone's problems, figuring out how to solve problems today. Yeah? Yeah. And we are coming at you from the land of the Coast Salish people where we are recording. And uh, Kirsten always says the beautiful, lovely land or something. You, you make reference to the weather. And today it's cold. It's really cold. <laughs> it's Oh, and it's summer. I was talking to a woman who actually, Karina, you introduced me to, who does some DEI work, consultant work, uh, Dania. A Dana. A Dana. And we were talking about the land acknowledgement. Yeah. And she said to me, the land acknowledgement, it's not really something you can read. It comes from your heart. What does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. So that's why I say that about it's beautiful because that's my reflection. I'm just like, this is this land that is so beautiful, right? Yeah. Anyway, I really appreciated her feedback on that. Yeah. And that is what it's called, folks. For those of you who don't know, when we acknowledge where we are, we're doing a land acknowledgement. We're acknowledging the people that were here before us. And so in our case, they are the tribes uh, collectively known as the Coast Salish tribes. Um, So thank you for that. And yeah, the very personal pieces Mm -hmm. come from it. And I'll go back to what I said a second ago. It's summertime and it's cold. And it's really cold. Kirsten has a get ease, meaning and joy in a down jacket in July. (laughs) She has her down jacket wrapped around her toes here in or her feet (laughs) here at my house. It's 53 Ah. degrees in July, so there you have it. There you have it. Welcome to the Pacific Northwest, folks. So today we're talking about problem solving. And before we do, Kirsten, you were talking about your new writing group. Oh, yeah. And I just, Mm. (laughs) it just Mm. made me so, I don't know what, I don't know if the word is happy, maybe. Disturbed. No, it kind of made me giddy. It's so interesting. I have joined a writing group. And it is like so wonderful. It's these three women who are brilliant. They're all published. I have no idea how I was invited to come to this group because, (laughs) you know, I've published some like legal articles and stuff, but not like real writing. Anyway, it is so fascinating to be sitting in a room of three other people and to feel so terribly inadequate oh my god and not smart like they're so much smarter than I am I'm just sitting here and that's what's been great about it is I'm not upset by it uh-huh. I'm finding it like fun and inspiring and interesting right to be around people who are smarter than me feels like an opportunity yeah and if I can just get out of my own way about my inadequacy, which I'm doing a pretty good job of. Is that of. new for you? I feel like I would be so intimidated that I'd be paralyzed in those kinds of situations. And you're saying like it's freeing and fun and exciting and engaging. And frankly, for the listener, y'all know that I feel like that whenever I'm around Kirsten. You're right? so funny. Just That's a not... little, just, no, just a little less smart. It isn't. It isn't. I think because I'm so quick mm-hmm. that I don't often feel like I can't keep up. I'm around people who are smarter than me all the time, but I make up for it by being quick. <laughs> but in this group, I can't do that. It's just been a really interesting experience. Uh-huh. And I really am grateful for it. 
Isn't that cool? That yes. shift. It's so cool. And will you share with our listeners why you're in a writing group? Oh, yes. I'm in a writing group because I have been working for the last year on writing the Crean and Kirsten Get to Work book. Yes. And I have been flailing around. And so that's part of my plan to get that book written. And now I've said it on the air. I know. Dag, I I'm know. stuck. I was just trying to. Um, yeah, you coaxed me into it. Nice, nice work, friend. I know. You didn't even know that. I didn't even know it was happening. I, I mean, and whether or not, I'd lo- I'd love this idea of us having a book that you write that I don't have to do. <laughs> but I also love that you're using it as an opportunity to just have some creativity and engage with yes. other women. And uh, women who you want to learn from. And whether or not the book ever gets written or published, which again, I will say, I hope it does. It's also this kind of cool thing about like opening, like expanding, expanding horizons, expanding thinking, expanding Mm -hmm. our brains. You know, my big thing is I want that big wide funnel. I want everything coming in. Yeah. And and you have to create opportunities for that. Mm -hmm. In fact, it kind of ties to the subject a little bit, as we'll talk about later. One of the keys to problem solving is that expansive mindset. It's the it's the. Um, opportunity to engage with people who think differently than you do and approach the world differently Mm -hmm. and in some cases intimidate us with their smartness. So do you want to talk about problem solving? I do want to talk about problem solving. Are you sure? Because you weren't super psyched on this. I was not super psyched about it, but of course I'm in, I'm right behind you, I'm drafting. And what's interesting about this topic is this is what you and I really do all day long. In fact, both of us have a really hard time turning it off. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It, yeah. In fact, it's, my brain. It's our problem. It is. That is my superpower gone bad. Like if I'm ever going to go over to the dark side, I'll just be like the evil problem solver mm-hmm. who's coming and swooping in to take care, take, take over all of your problems. problems. Yeah. But it is a skill and there are definitely some. And we know that skills are things we can build on, learn, get better at. Yeah. Yeah. And there are some ways to break down how to, you know, what I think there are clearly because I wrote, you know, we did a lot of thinking about this, how to break down um, problem solving into chunks and Mm kind of where the pitfalls are and where the opportunities are. So I'm really excited to um, talk about this. But also because according to the World Economic Forum's 2020 Future of Jobs report, which we referenced in a previous show, four out of the top five key skills for tomorrow's labor market are really centered Mm -hmm. around being able to solve problems. It's like a very key and significant skill for the future of work. Yeah. They reference things like analytical thinking and they name complex problem solving as the third top number three skill that people need, but also creativity and critical thinking and learning, active learning. Mm -hmm. Right. So this is, by the way, all the fun stuff. These top things are all the juicy stuff in life. Thinking, innovation, learning, complex problem solving, critical thinking, creativity, originality. Mm -hmm. Like, come on. It's the juice of life. Yes. It's the juice of life. In order for us to confront all the problems that we deal with all day long. Because I think for most of us, life is just a series of problems. That you have to solve. Yes. And I don't say that in a negative way. No. It just is. It just is. And you can think of this as sort of decisions on one level, like we have to make decisions all the time. But in many cases, we are literally solving problems, Mm -hmm. big and small. Uh, You know, everything from... You know, I just pulled into the parking lot and there's no place to park. I have to solve that problem. I have to get up to the office by a certain time all the way up to 
somebody just quit Mm -hmm. and we need to figure out how we're going to get all that work done, you know, before we can hire a replacement. What kind of problems do you feel like you solve on a daily basis or you see your clients solving? My clients are solving human resource problems, Mm -hmm. performance problems, Um, a lot of disputes with other parties, like disagreements, doesn't necessarily mean a lawsuit, but a disagreement with another party. And also sometimes trying to solve how to come together, Mm. right? So I would, I think almost everything I do all day long is about problem solving. There's some like preventative work that I do, but I think 90% of it's problem solving. And you think you're problem solving people and HR problems most of the time. People, HR some systems. And then when I use the word people, I I mean, entities too. Mm -hmm. Like some of this is problems between entities, between businesses. Um, But yeah, I think it's 90% of what I do. Yeah. And I think even in my life, it's like there, you know, I go to make something for dinner and I am missing an ingredient. So how do I solve that problem? Mm -hmm. Right. Or we're going to do something and we're going to put new lights in and three of the six lights are broken. And how do you solve that problem? I mean, I think for most of us, it is life is a series of problems. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I speak for my, yeah, you're speaking my language, sister. The majority of the problems that I feel like I fix at work or I'm solving at work are like like yours, a lot to do with people and people's behavior or people's needs or their, you know, their wants and desires Mm -hmm. or their inability to get along with one Mm -hmm. another. Hell, my tagline is I help leaders and leadership teams do their jobs, solve their problems and get along with each other. I mean, that is really what I do on it, Mm -hmm. right? But I also see things like, oh, sales aren't hitting our mark and we need to solve that problem Mm -hmm. or we're having too much success and we don't have the capacity to deal with it or we have employees who aren't hitting productivity requirements why is that happening right yeah right and in all of those cases i feel like the number one thing and really where the the folks i would recommend and i frankly i do this spend the most amount of energy is really trying to identify the root cause of the problem and so in moving towards sol- how to solve these problems, mm-hmm. the first step is always to get clear on really what it is. Because some of the things we just said, like people aren't getting along. OK, that's a problem. People aren't getting along. But that's not the how. How are you going to what's really you have going to, on? You have to. It's interesting. You're my issue in problem solving is a little bit different. Mine is I'm too quick to solution. That's Uh, my problem. So what you're talking about, though, is really identifying the problem and drilling down about what is going on. Why aren't people getting along, for example? Um, It's it's interesting. I have a great story about this. Identifying a problem. So I'm just going to say this. My therapist, Kate, um, adopted two children from Africa. And when she went to the orphanage, she saw they didn't have dryers. And so she went to the woman who runs the orphanage and she said, hey... Um, I'm going to buy you guys dryers. I'd love you to have some dryers. And the woman said, "Mm, no, because if you buy dryers, then I don't get to employ women from the village to do the laundry and dry the clothes. And then I don't get to find my caregivers because that's how I find the most patient, kindest people is they first work in the wash doing the laundry. Yeah. And so it's interesting when you sometimes go to solve a problem. Yes. You've missed 
the you've missed what that there isn't a problem, right? She went to solve a problem that wasn't there. That didn't even really exist. Right. And had she solved the problem, she would have created other problems. So I think your point here about really identifying what the problem is, is incredibly important because otherwise you solve for the wrong thing or you create more problems. Or you may be solving a problem that isn't truly a problem, Mm -hmm. which I think is that uh, example of of the dryers. And I think it's really interesting because like. I love that story because it it also illustrates another point, which is if you just jump to solution Mm -hmm. and don't start talking to the people who are involved and who may be impacted by the solution and who are kind of have different perspectives. Even when it seems obvious. Yeah. Even when it seems obvious, then yeah, you miss a great opportunity. For me, I feel like the way to kind of again, drill down on this, let's use this um, people aren't getting along example. Mm -hmm. So if somebody came to me and said, there's tension on my team and -and so-and-so and -and so-and-so cannot seem to work together effectively, you could immediately jump to a solution and say, all right, we're going to get together and have a mediated conversation. But maybe it doesn't have anything to do with either of them. Maybe the problem is really that they have unclear expectations. And so they are at conflicting odds. So they're trying, they're, they're, they're working towards two different sets of um, expectations or in different parameters or whatever. And maybe that's because their supervisor never really wrote their job descriptions effectively. And maybe that was because that person hadn't ever been given clarity. And so we, if we dig and dig and involve and ask questions and think about this from a variety of angles, we may realize that these two people down here aren't getting along because they were they were not set up for success in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And how do we tackle that issue rather than two personalities? And it is that it's we are all, especially as we get more facile with our problem solving and we feel more confident, we're so quick to jump to assumptions. And that's the point here is don't do that. Yeah. Don't jump to assumptions. Really figure out what's going on and get curious. Yes. Right. You know, I just love that. Get curious. Yeah. And you always ask, you ask good questions. You you do ask good questions. So you say that you jump to solution, but you're also really good. I think you're really good at asking questions. That's nice of you to say. I like to ask questions. I've learned that over the years about asking questions, the wonder, and I'm curious about which are your, which are your lines, yeah. right? Your lines. Yeah. Use, I wonder, use, I'm curious. I love yeah. that. Okay. So first, first, first tip here is to really dig in, get curious about the problem and don't make assumptions. Yes. Don't make assumptions. Can I say a few more things about that? Because I think this is obviously that one of the most important pieces there's an exercise called the five whys. Ooh. It's basically what I just did there. Like you think you look at what's happening and see that as a symptom and you say why. And then you name that and you go, oh, well, why is that happening? Hmm, why is that happening? And so, so you ask yourself five whys? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Why, why, why? And you can kind of it's it's just trains your brain to think about a problem and dig it deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into it. Um, but also when we say uh, ask questions, get curious How you frame questions is important and open-ended questions are the best. That's why you just said like, oh, I'm curious about blah, 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 or tell me more about Mm -hmm. this. If you ask questions, you have to be asking questions that aren't leading and that aren't like, yes, no. Because leading questions are not curious. Yeah, you really Right, you're not trying to back someone into an answer, right? You really are trying to get more information. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then and, and, and then you hopefully do get to the, get to the root cause without alienating people along the way. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have somebody ask you questions that are just they're just shitty at asking questions? It, it does not. It's not good. You don't want to. You don't want to have a conversation. You don't no. Open up you to really that. right. You don't want to, you, and you don't feel like there's any real opening for you. Yeah. yeah. Defensive or mm-hmm. whatever. So, if you're going to be solving a problem, certainly digging in and trying to find the root is the only way to get to the root of the problem. And then you jump to often to generating solutions. But I feel like there's an intermediary step. I love this part. This is my favorite part. Yeah. Do you want to da, say da, da, da. Do you want to say anything about it? I do. It? I do that problems are opportunities. Yeah. Right? I mean that really is an opportunity um to create something better, to relieve suffering, to um create more ease, all of those things, right? Like when I said in the beginning, you know, life is a series of problems, I didn't say that in a negative way, mm-hmm. right? I was like, it just is. Yeah. It's not negative. It just is. Yep. And so I really feel like, and sometimes when an employee comes to you with a problem, it takes so much for them to come to say, I have a problem with this. It's a big deal. So it really is an opportunity for the manager, for the employer, whatever. It, mm-hmm. This is all opportunities. Yeah. You know what I love to you is if we can change our brains when we are faced or confronted with a problem at work, one that you just observe mm-hmm. or someone brings to you or you're involved in, if you can change your brain to see it as an opportunity rather than a crisis, rather than a threat, rather than something you have to protect yourself from, then you open up the parts of your brain that will you let your brain work. Yeah. Your brain starts to work better. Yes. Yes. And we know that from this time and time again, when you can reduce that stress, the panic, Mm -hmm. then you get way better at being curious. You get way better at seeing things from different angles. And processing. And processing Mm -hmm. and seeing them as opportunities. And so once you are able to kind of harness that mindset and really understand what the root cause of the problem is, then you can start to generate solutions that will hopefully get to the root of it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say root like 500 times, I guess, because I just said it like three times in that sentence. Well, it gets you two solutions that will hopefully solve the problem without creating more problems right? or other impacts. Right. And this is the place where I really have to work hard because I am always pretty convinced that my first solution is the best one. Yeah, I really am. I'm like, oh, this is it. And I want to be done. Right. I have this inclination. Oh, it's just all the problem. Be done, be done, be done, be done. And this is where I have to do my work is what are the solutions? How do you do? What do you mean when you say you got to do your work? How do you do that? Oh, I have to talk myself off the ledge. <laughs> Seriously. Like I, mental, like you're yes. saying, Kirsten, slow down. I have to say, Kirsten, get a hold of yourself. Take a deep <laughs> breath. Pull yourself together. I do it all the time. Count? I know you count. Yeah, I count too. I do count. Like but, just- but on this one, I really have to say you need to come up with three more solutions or you need to talk with three more people or whatever. I, I give myself little exercises to follow so that I don't just go to my first solution. Yeah. I'm so thoroughly convinced that my solution is the right one. Shit, yeah. That is, a hard, yeah, that's, a hard, that's what I, that's why I go to the first one. Cause of course it's brilliant. I know I used to, I, of course <laughs> it is. I will follow you. And that, that honestly, that has, as I've gotten older, I've realized like I've had to, I've done the same thing. Like, Oh God, 
oh wait, yours is better. Like it's taken me <gasps> practice. And, and it, there's always, and there's still the surprise. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that is a better idea than mine. <laughs> And it does. And I'm so happy when it happens. I'm like, oh, KB, good. You hung in there long enough to get to a better solution from somebody else. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I know. I'm, this is the oh great reward God, to same. me. But it's a funny mind trip because I used to be like, what? Oh, my God. No, mine is going to be the best to now. Like, oh, good. This is actually. Mm-hmm. Woo, I did. It. I have seen this happen in groups, too. So um there, there is this tendency. And in fact, I read about this when we were re- uh, doing our research for this show that groups, especially when you're trying to problem solve together, I don't know if you've ever done this, like when you're brainstorming, um, okay, folks, we need to come up with a list of all of the possible solutions to this thing. And then you start to list them out. And then the first thing that's even remotely feasible, people latch onto, and we start talking about that. Mm -hmm. And that's the solution we're going to go to. And so the other trick or the other discipline that I know I have to do is to train my brain to keep brainstorming, to keep thinking about possible solutions before we move to implementation. That's exactly what I was saying. I like to repeat things. No, no. But I mean, I think it is, it's, 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 but it is exactly that is my vulnerability too. Yeah. Like I really have to keep open. Yeah. You, you've told a story on the air before, so we don't need to dig too deep into it, but it's the whole key fob story. Oh my gosh. My key fob story. Yeah. Which I, yeah. My only, my only saving grace in that story is that my daughter was with me and she did it too, is that the key wouldn't work. And we made the assumption that somehow the key was broken or we had the wrong key. And it turns out that it just had a low battery. And had we spent more time, we could have held the key next to this place in the car, started the car. Instead, my husband had to drive two hours and put a key on a plane for me to pick up, to fly, to, to drive back. I mean, right. ridiculous. Right. Because like we couldn't slow down. Right. So you didn't slow down and think about all of the possibilities yes. before you decided to act. I noticed that Barry does that a lot too. Just like, oh my, like convinces himself that one thing is the, is the solution. And frequently it's very complex and bizarre. And you're like, wait, why don't we just, slow down and list like think this all the way think about all of the possibilities and start with the one that's the least impactful Mm -hmm. you know the solution that's the least impactful. i will say there is i don't know if if you noticed this but when i was i said there's a saving grace with my daughter when you are in partnership with somebody who makes the same mistake Uh you do it does make you feel better Just to be (laughs) clear you're like oh she's really smart she did it too i don't feel so bad (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting, though. How do you generate Mm -hmm. those solutions? You know, if you're in a group with with a bunch of people who all think the same, that's not necessarily I mean, that's not necessarily it feels good, but it's not necessarily the path to solutions, you know, to innovative solutions or um, different approaches. Mm -hmm. I read Mm -hmm. something about um, something called divergent thinking. Okay, this is a study that I have seen many times. It's from 1968 and it was designed for testing NASA potential NASA engineers and scientists. And what they did was they gave groups of people a paper clip and they asked them to create the number of uses for the paper clip. Yeah. And what's really interesting is they took 5-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 15-year-olds and then adults. And they were testing these folks to see who would 
score on the genius level to create the number of uses for a paperclip. Mm-hmm. And this is the fast, and I'm sure folks remember have, have read about this because it's a it's cited so many times in places and so many books. But um, among the five year olds, ninety eight percent of that group reached the genius level. Yeah. So those five year olds created smart. more uses for paper clips than anybody else. Yeah. Ten year olds, thirty percent were on the genius level. 15-year-olds, 12% were on the genius level, and adults, 2% were on the genius level. So we crush the creative thinking out of ourselves yes. over time. Yes. And part of that is because we get good at solving problems, and then we just use that same thing over and over. And there's some benefits to that. There's yeah. a lot of efficiency in that. Yeah. But you can see that we really do crush our creativity out of ourselves by the time, you know, frankly, by the time we're 15. Yeah. And it's that creativity and neuroplasticity Mm -hmm. that leads to some innovation and creative problem solving, which we will talk a little bit more about. We'll we'll talk about a little bit more in a minute. But I think it's really interesting to like recognize that we all are very set in our ways. And if we're facing problems, especially big problems Mm -hmm. at work, what do I do with this remote workforce? How do I pivot in a pandemic? How do we go from being a restaurant that, you know, is a brick and mortar to selling to go cocktails to make money? Like in order to come up with these out of the box solutions to a lot of things, you have, we have, do have to be mindful of the ruts that our brains Mm -hmm. get in and, and the ways to get out of them. And then, you know, once you are able to do that, you know, do that list, come up with the 200 different uses for the paperclip, the next, uh, the next piece of problem solving is to really evaluate a solution and and choose it, but not before, not before you've thought it all the way through, if I'll say it again. Mm -hmm. Um, Not when you're holding the key fob convinced that it's broken and you need to, and I need someone to fly me a new key. Right. And how do you evaluate these op- options and choose the best one? You got to think. You got to think it all the way through. So before we go on to evaluating and choosing a solution, I just want to point out that all of this creativity, this neuroplasticity, this going through ideas, it gives you this incredible opportunity for learning. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is this kind of self fulfilling and self-actualizing thing. The more you exercise your brain creatively, the more you try and like flex your brain to think differently. And the more you learn, it all just feeds off of each other. Right. And so that this learning piece for me is like a critical, not just problem solving thing, but life thing. Yeah. Like just to keep my brain as nimble as I can. I've said, um, this podcast and all of the learning that we have mm-hmm. to do about it has made me <laughs> totally. way better at my job. Yeah, me too. It is. I mean, it, it's not just because we read the best available this or we're researching the you know newest and emerging research. It's because I am forced to learn a, another to- a topic well enough to talk about it and not be embarrassed when I listen to the podcast later. And get deeper. Like yeah. these are all things that you and I have dealt with in our work yeah. and in our careers. Um but when we do the topic, we dig deeper. We're like, okay, let's really challenge our learning. Let's challenge our own assumptions. So yeah, yeah you're right. This whole exercise is that for me too. And your writing group. That's kind of what you're oh, talking my about writing at the group. beginning, yes. right? Yeah. These are people who are seeing things differently, who have a different way mm-hmm. of doing things, who are going to teach you and give you an opportunity yeah. 
opportunity to learn. Yes. Do you ever say a word and then all of a sudden you're like, did I just... Did I say that right? And it's more for me spelling, frankly. Sorry. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Story of my life. Okay. Getting to a solution. But then anyway, once you've thrown all of this shit on the wall to see what sticks, then you really do have to evaluate the solution. And the only way I've been able to do that effectively is to think it all the way through most of the time with other people. Mm -hmm. And certainly with the people who are going to be involved in or impacted by the solution. I cannot tell you how many times early in my career I was quick to jump to a solution and I implemented it and then I created way more problems than I had in the beginning. Because you didn't talk to the right people. Because I didn't talk to the mm-hmm. right people. I didn't bounce the idea around. Um, yeah. And it it's like. I have. So I have a practice when there is something to be changed, something new, a problem to be solved, a shift. I talk to people as a courtesy. Like that's my approach. I'm going to be courteous mm. and inform people and let them know. I'm going to be kind and bring people in. And what I've realized over the years is that has actually resulted in making whatever I am talking about way better. Mm-hmm. My intention initially was not to get more solutions. My intention was not to like um, get everybody to the table and figure out the impact because I like you was just convinced of my own ability to solve the problem, right? Or my own responsibility to solve the problem. But in that exercise, I was like, wow, this is just, this is, this is not about being kind. This is not about being, bringing in the team. This is about really creating the best solution. So it's interesting how I learned that lesson. Yeah. Like I learned that lesson because I thought it was a quote unquote nice thing to do, a kind thing to do. Yeah. You were checking the box towards. And it turns out to be really kind to myself. Yeah. And it builds buy-in for oh, the solution, absolutely. Too, which is a whole, yeah. That, then you're not dealing with the hurt feelings because this is happening mm-hmm. to me rather than mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeah. Um, but it was interesting. My my impetus was just to be kind. Yeah. And I realized, oh no, KB, there's way more to this <laughs> than just being polite. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it crazy how many lessons that we learn over the course of our lives that really shape how we work? Mm-hmm. This is one of them that I can I I think I will talk about for five hours straight if given the opportunity. No, this does. This has really informed your work and how you approach life. Yeah, no question. Yes. Yeah. And um and it was painful. It's very. It's been a painful process. I have there's scorched earth behind me, sister. As I've learned, but there's all of this great stuff in front now, right? I mean, that's the great thing about problems, right? Yeah. Exactly. Um. And then, which I guess it leads me to this kind of f- the final thing, the final step in problem solving processes. And that's really to circle back and make sure that you actually did fix the problem and that people are implementing the solution or that the solution is being implemented, et cetera. And then likely course correct. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I thought I've gone through all these steps of identifying the root cause and then, you know, figuring out all of the possible solutions and bringing people along and eventually evaluating and choosing one and then realizing, oh, well, we're close, but we're not there. So you really do have to, you know, it's not one and done. Problem solving, especially the big stuff is a process Mm -hmm. and probably ongoing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's where we started out. You know, life is a series of problems and it's just a practice to solve them. Mm -hmm. You know, just a practice. You just keep going after it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about creative problem solving and innovation, because, you know, that the last 
the last bit that we talked about was kind of a how-to. But I think that there's some really interesting opportunities when we talk about creativity and innovation and how we do that. I watch businesses and frequently ask, how the hell did they come up with that? In fact, when I was running an organization, I did a lot of reading about how what conditions you need in order to inspire creativity because I wanted to create that for my team. And in that, in that case, we were not innovative. We were not being creative. We were very in a rut and focused, you know, myopically focused. And I remember thinking there's got to be a formula to this. Mm -hmm. There has to be things that we can be doing to create conditions for creativity and innovation. Turns out people study this shit all the time. Yes. And it's a, it's like a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it is, is the environment in which you are mm -hmm. working. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And one of the keys that I found is that you really have to ha uh, create opportunities for people to get out of their heads and out of their ruts and talk to each other. Right. Yes. You have to create conditions and expectations and culture where it's okay it's okay to stand around and chit chat for 20 minutes about something that's going on. It's okay and frankly expected that we get out of our silos and we all sit down around a table and we, and we spitball what's going on for us. And, you know, a lot of workplaces don't do that. A lot of workplaces, uh, you know, finance handles finance problems mm -hmm. and HR sales. handles HR sales. is Yep, absolutely. And and studies have shown that cross pollination and create and opportunities for different people to talk to one another is one of the single most effective ways to get innovation. It's really interesting. But in my work with physicians, my there is something called a tumor board that I learned about years ago. And their tumor board meets every week at the hospital. And it is a meeting of all of the relevant physicians. Mm. So like if they're talking about a kind of cancer, they'll bring in the pathologist, they'll bring in the radiologist, they'll bring in the surgeon, they'll bring in all of the people that they that that will treat and work with this patient in order to come up with the best solution slash treatment plan for them. And I actually have instituted that at the law firm. Mm. So I have, and I even call it tumor board because I did. <laughs> Which cracks it's me terrible, up. I can't, right? I know. It's terrible. But I'm trying to communicate because when some somebody will say, well, tumor board, why am I coming to it? What's that? And then I get to explain the process, right? So it ends up being an opportunity to, to set expectations. Yeah. So like when I have an interesting legal problem or one that I don't feel confident with my answer to or my solution or I'm looking for other ideas, I'll call a tumor board of sometimes all attorneys and sometimes a subset of attorneys because I have found that like the more people that you can get at the table who have some kind of tangential relationship to it, you get just different ideas and different perspectives. That's right. Yeah. Yes. In fact, there's a study um they call it the Dunbar study. This guy uh, went around and he was studying lab workers and he was trying to identify when innovation happened in the, in the science lab. And he videotaped people behind their microscopes and, you know, calculating their things with their calculators or whatever. And in meetings. And what he realized was that at the conference table at their weekly lab meeting, that was when that's when the most innovation happened. 
most of the time or oftentimes people were sharing their mistakes. They were talking about errors. They were talking about frustrations. And that was kind of this learning um, they were learning from each other and collaborating and problem solving together in a way that, yeah, brought just like your tumor board, brought all these different ideas to the table. Um, I watched a TED talk about this and this guy, Steve Johnson, um, talked about it and he called it the liquid. I love that network. phrase. Yeah. Liquid network. I love that. Which I, it's a really interesting visual, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Where you have lots of ideas that are together and different backgrounds and different interests. And we're all just sort of, you know, meshing around like whatever, swimming around in the soup together and then bingo. And it's not, you can't, you can't bring together a group for everything in front of you. There's no question. I mean, I'm not proposing that, but I am. But I do think when you get to something complicated or difficult, mm -hmm. that calling these groups together to try and solve problems is a really effective way. And also, I mean, I think the studies are pretty clear. It leads to more creativity and innovation. That's right. Yeah. And yeah, and and when you can beautiful thing, other thing beautiful things happen as we know. So I love to encourage this kind of group thinking and problem solving together. Although you have to avoid group think, which is a whole nother story. Right, which you talked about. Yeah. Where yeah, exactly. Where yeah. you latch on to the mm -hmm. first idea. Right. Um, and again, you have to have the conditions that allow for this. You have to have a workplace culture that allows for this. I'm not going to come to a tumor board and talk or to a, this, you know, whatever. Liquid to a liquid network. network. Maybe I'm going to change my name to liquid network. Maybe that's probably. I'm going to do that. I think you should. Because I can still explain it then. Yeah. Because they'll be like, what's a liquid network? I'm yeah. doing that. So, but you're, I'm not coming to my liquid network meeting and talking about a problem if the culture of my workplace is to discipline people who like it, it doesn't right. reward mistakes or, right. or d whatever. So, I mean, you got to also think about culture. Talk um, a little bit about that. You were telling me about, and I don't, I want you to talk about it because I just got to know a little bit about it from you, which is that those gamers who were solving a protein problem. Oh yeah. Yeah. This happened what? actually a while ago. Um, and again, this speaks to this the beauty of having the liquid network the liquid idea, network, different people from different backgrounds solving problems way back in 2011, um, scientists started using open source gaming to put the problems they were wrestling with out into the kind of the gamer network to see if people could solve it. So they created video games um, that were based on trying to solve some of their problems. The two that were referenced in an article I read, one of them was called Fold It, and it was an online puzzle game that basically had you folding and folding and folding, and it was all around finding patterns. And scientists had been wrestling with this, um, th with trying to find... Wasn't it the structure of an enzyme Yes, for AIDS in monkeys? Yeah, it was like an AIDS-like disease in monkeys. And they had been working on this problem for 13 years of how these protein folded together and worked together, yada, yada. The gamers solved it in three weeks. It's fascinating. Isn't that fascinating? Mm -hmm. A year later, um, they also did a similar thing, playing an, an astronomy game called Planet Hunters. And Planet Hunters found this curious planet with four stars in its system, um, like within weeks. And to date, I think they found like 40 planets that could potentially support life all of which had been previously missed by professional astronomers. And so, again, it speaks to this. The liquid network. The I liquid just love network, it. Mm -hmm. The liquid network. Um, it, it's, I think of liquid network also should have brown liquor. Oh, good idea. Don't you think? Oh, yeah. 
just to turn it right. Though, yes, I mean that. I mean, another whole topic: the yeah. the ability of alcohol to to modify our thinking, just good a and bad, teeny bit. just yep, a teeny, good and bad, just a, yeah. and to 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 open ourselves up a little bit to creativity and possibility that is not. So I'm going to say. It might have been tongue in cheek when you said brown liquor, but I'm just gonna pause it. Yeah, it might be real. No, that's what I it was tongue in cheek, but also there's it is. Always, I think it's a little real. There's always a little hint of truth mm-hmm. in every mm-hmm. absolutely every tongue in cheek <laughs> thing that is said. Yeah. So again, you want to you know, is there anything else you wanted to say about creative problem solving or innovation? No, I just think like look for those opportunities. Yeah. Call on friends. Call on colleagues. You know, it just it's a it's a fun and interesting way. To solve problems. Yeah. Yeah. And see the world. Um, remember the show Dead Poet Society where yes. Robin Williams has all the boys stand on their desks and see their room from a different angle. Even, you know, finding ways to see the thing from some other perspective is going to help you with innovation, yeah. innovative problem solving. And of course, the basics. There's also there. None of this is possible if you don't care for yourself. Right. None of this is possible. You're not going to bring your best self if you don't bring your best. I will brain. say exactly. I will say obviously. You know, if, if you haven't had a glass of water, you got a problem, right? <laughs> yeah. But I, as as I think folks know, I've had a mindfulness practice now that's been pretty regular for the last two years. And when I say pretty regular, I mean like five or six times a week. And I feel like that mindfulness practice has allowed me to calm down enough to do that work that I have struggled with, identifying possible solutions before I land on one, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. So I do think like bolstering up everything else so you're ready to go. We always talk about this, but it's so important. Yeah. So important. I, it, it is. It's that caring for yourself so that you can bring your whole self Mm -hmm. so that you can do this your best self um mindfulness is so important too because it does clear your brain it calms you down Mm -hmm. another thing that's really important is sleep i read that your iq can take a hit of five percent or more after a bad night's sleep i read recently that a lack of sleep is increases your chances of Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. I was like, what? Oh my God. That sucks. No, I know. I'm going to take a nap. That's why I'm so smart because I sleep like <laughs> 10 hours a night. Um, it's brilliant, actually. It, it's also, though, like you have sleep, hydration, exercise. You know, even we, we know, even getting active. I solve some of the, my best, I, I come up with some of my best solutions when you're on your walks. When I'm on my walks. Absolutely, you ride. do. It's so much so that I have to carry a phone now, not so I can check it, but so I can bark orders into it, like mm-hmm. things that I want to remember that, frankly, by the time I get home from my walk, I may not even recall. And I can tell in my day, like when I've meditated, I've often said, I feel like the Red Sea has the seas part for me, mm-hmm. like it's the Red Seas are parting. Some for some reason, when I do that, it's just everything else. There's more ease. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I cannot explain it, except that's my experience. Do you think that you just like by meditating, you reduce stress, which also reduces cortisol? I think it's yes, which changes what kind of brain like what mm-hmm. part of your brain is working and my perspective of what's in front of me. Yeah. So my mindset is different. The right. whole thing is different. But I notice it every day I do it. I'm like, wow, this Red Sea's parted for me today. Right? It's great. Okay. So now we just, we always, we come back to that again and again. 
those like fundamental core things about showing up in the world because they're super important. Yeah. We know we've said them a thousand times and we're going to say them a thousand more because they're that important. And I need the reminder. I honestly need the reminder. Last Mm -hmm. week I worked a heck of a lot of hours. I ate shitty food that I normally don't eat. I didn't, I knew I was dehydrated because I woke up in the middle of the night, several nights thirsty. I had to go get water in the middle of the night. I did not exercise. I mean, I know this stuff. Mm-hmm. I talk about all the time. I need a reminder. Yeah. I think is the point. Yeah. Um, and it may, and when we do it, not only does it, is it good for us, it's good for our ability to solve problems. And, but before we leave this topic, I want to talk about two things, Yeah. which is when you can't solve the problem, right? Which is, that's not uncommon, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes there is no solution. When is it time to let things go? When is it time to move on? When is it time to take a different approach? Uh-huh. So sometimes when there's no solution, you can try and eliminate the problem, yeah. right? You can try and reduce its impact. You can see if there's somebody else that can solve it. You can try and solve it a different time. So I just want to acknowledge that sometimes you run into things that it's like not solvable. Mm-hmm. Right. I also think, though, for those of us like you and me who make a habit of solving problems all the time, it's really hard to to sort of hit the timeout button and go, I can't fix this one. You know, I had this happen at work a couple of years ago. I used to publish a business law and estate planning newsletter, Mm. and I did it every quarter for years. And I would try and get other people in the firm to work with me and to submit articles. And after a while, I realized I was the only one who was enjoying this. I was the only one who found value in it and I was trying to push rope uphill and I was not willing to do it by myself. And so I just said, I'm not going to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. I just eliminated the problem because I could not figure out a solution to get collaboration and the cooperation that I want. I was like, well, I'm not going to do this. Got it. And be done. Yeah. It was very freeing. My coworkers loved it. I loved it because it wasn't something that was really garnering the support that it needed. So that in that case, I love that story, too, because it was just like, forget it. Yeah, done. I'm done solving trying to solve And I wasn't like angry about it. I wasn't like, well, I'm just not going to do it because nobody's going to help me. That wasn't at all. I was like, this isn't fun. Let's mm-hmm. not do it. Yeah. Yeah. I have another uh, example. Uh, a client of mine actually was talking about this. She's like us. She's quick to solve problems. And frankly, she'll work, you know, an extra 20 hours this week trying to solve that thing over there. And just recently, she it was in a position where she had so much work. It didn't matter how much work she did during a day, the day. She had to let something go. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so she so she was confronted with a problem that uh, that I can't remember the details of it. But basically, there was some mistake that she had to create a workaround for because every time she had to engage with this part of the system, it was broken. And so she was she she had to work extra hours to do this workaround. And she was, she had to admit to her supervisor eventually, like, you know what? I ran out of time. I never did that thing because it was always taking me way too long. And frankly, I just ran out of time for it. And the supervisor said, shit, you're not the first person who said that. I think we might have a, we might have a problem with the system. Mm-hmm. And so her, tendency to solve a problem and create a workaround and just like was actually preventing the solution from arising yes yeah Mm -hmm. which i think is also interesting like mm, maybe not every problem is ours to solve yeah 
And maybe the solution is to let it go like you just mm-hmm. did in your thing. Let it go. Try and minimize it. Something like that. I And I also, this is my tricky thing, which I also want to talk about, is solving problems that are not mine to solve. Oh, my God. I like love when those. you brought your car in? Oh, my gosh. When I brought my car in. Okay. <laughs> so... I brought my car in because I dinged the front, little body work. I bring it to the place and they say, okay, we're going to order your part. And I'm like, well, can I take my car until the part comes in? And they say, well, no, because then you won't bring your car back and we'll have bought this part and you won't get the part on. And I said, well, I'll pay for the part now. If you just call me when it comes in, I'll bring the car. And well, then we have to store the part while we're waiting for you to bring your car. And I'm like, well, you're storing my car, which is way bigger. (laughs) I'm in this long conversation with this woman about the car. Right. And I finally realized, no, Katie, no, this is not yours. Stop. And I looked at her and I smiled and I said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Here's my key. Here's my credit card. Tell me when the car is ready. It is not my problem to solve. Oh my God. I love that story. Even though I could have. I feel like that's the perfect story to end on too. We're just circling back to the beginning. If I could say the first step in problem solving over again, I would say the first step is make sure it's your problem to solve. Yes. First. Make sure it's your problem to solve. Oh, ladies. Oh my God. Watch out for other people's feelings. Maybe probably not your problem to solve. Watch other people's systems, not yours to solve. Yes, exactly. That is the greatest. (laughs) I wish we had started there, but we can end there. First, yes, and foremost, don't fix problems that are your, not yours to solve. Yeah. But if their if their problem is yours, rewind and go back and, and listen to this episode again because that was fun. I I am we love problems. I love problems. I love to solve problems. Mm-hmm. That's for dang sure. Yeah. Thank you for doing thanks, this with me. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for listening, for listening folks. problem solvers. Yeah. Bye. Krina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Krina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 